Good morning, Shiloh. Thank you for braving the ice and coming to be with us this morning. Today we're continuing in our series, Momentum for Life. Now last week, Pastor Rachel had, had talked to us about what she called wake-up calls. Those moments in our lives when God wants to get our attention and let us know that something needs to change. But as I've been reflecting over this last week and thinking, it made me realize that many times we're just comfortable right here where we are. But there are times that we need to get that wake-up call and have things change. I know last night I literally received one of these as my wife and I were sitting on the, on the couch comfortably with our son when the phone rang. And it was Pastor Rachel saying that she was leaving urgent care and uh, she was okay, but she has pneumonia. And she is going to be out for a couple of days. And that meant that things had to change. Things had to change like I get to preach today <laughs> instead of sitting next to you all out there comfortably. Things change. See, when I preach, I like to stand behind this music stand. And when Danny and, and Pastor Rachel like to preach, they, they like the whole stage to, to wonder. See, I, I feel comfortable behind this music stand. I don't feel as comfortable walking around. And see what happens when I do this. This starts to become really uncomfortable for me. I don't like it because I feel a little close, a little maybe too exposed, and honestly just vulnerable as I walk out here with you. I like being up there behind the music stand. And I bet a lot of you that are real close to me say, well, go get back up there because I don't like you out here either. <laughs> And I mean, some of you who are sitting in the back, you say that for a reason, right? You don't want the pasture in your face. And yet sometimes that's exactly how we feel when we talk to God. We feel too close. We feel too exposed. We feel just plain too vulnerable. And we don't like that feeling. It's uncomfortable. And besides, if we're real with God, well, that means we have to be real with ourselves. And when it comes to being devoted to God, we don't know what to do. We don't know how to act. And we think devotion, well, it looks a lot like this. Let's watch. Do you get it? It's an interrupting no. cow. He interrupts. That's what Come he does. On. He's a moo, right? That is so dumb. It's a knock Dumb. It's joke. funny. Hey, Laura. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. What are you doing? It's me. It's Jesus. Lord, we take up our cross every day for you. Oh, thank you. Uh, but the cross is where it begins, not ends. Thou art the beginning and the end, Lord, Alpha and Omega. It's all about you, oh. Jesus. Oh. Guys, I, I just want you to be real with me. You are the air I breathe. You are the air I breathe. Drew, I think it's great when you worship me. Oh, yes. Praise you, Lord Jesus. It's just that sometimes it feels like you're putting on a show. Oh, Jesus, please forgive me for putting on a show and oh, being fake. Uh, okay, I, I forgive you. Oh, praise you for okay. your grace, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Guys, just say what you would normally say. Praise the Hallelujah. No, I mean, like, you know, if, if we were talking, you know, say what you'd say. 
Okay. Um, Drew, tell us a joke. What? Yeah. I mean, you know, like you were before. Thou art holy, Lord. That's not a joke. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I, I didn't mean that. <laughs> what are you guys doing? Jesus, we're living for you just like we always do. Don't live for me. Live in me. When you live in me, you'll understand who you are and what you're living for. I just want something a little bit deeper. But if this is all you want. Now, me, we, we might laugh when we watch that video, but I think so often we try to be religious in our relationship with God. We try to hide behind our true selves, who we really are from God. This morning, I invite you to open up your Bibles, if you brought them, to Genesis 3. If not, pull out your sermon notes. And if you don't have a Bible, there are, there are Bibles in our gathering space. They're there just for you. Take one. It's yours. All we ask is that you, you take some time to read it and bring it back. Next time. Genesis, it's, it's not only the beginning of the Bible, the beginning of creation, but it's also the beginning of our relationship with God. See, God created us to be in a relationship with him. And as we read the creation story, we realize that Adam and Eve, they have this incredibly intimate relationship with God. They have a friendship. They actually walk with God every morning in what the Bible calls the cool of the day. But something happened, something that made Adam and Eve feel too close, too exposed, too vulnerable. This is Genesis 3, 8 through 10. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden but the Lord God called to them, where are you? He answered, I, I, I heard you in the garden and, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. How did Adam and Eve go from walking with God every morning to hiding from God? It was sin. It was shame. And it was the reality that something had changed. Adam and Eve had walked away from God. Church, I believe devotion to God starts with us walking with God every single day. But how do we get there? Remember, faith is a journey. It's an uphill climb. And how do we get there from here? How do we move toward God? Now, first, if we're going to walk with God, we need to understand just who God is and how he relates to us. Luckily, just this week, Pastor Rachel shared a story that I get to now share with you. She was telling me when, when she was younger, she didn't like to ride in the car during, during rainstorms out in the open fields. And I had to ask, okay, why? And she shared, because this is this great opportunity for God to zap me with a bolt of lightning for that little lie that I told my mom, or maybe because of that little fight I got in with my brother. And the, so she's holding this image of God that she had in her mind 
that God was just waiting to zap you as you dodged lightning in the rain. Now, as kids, we have a, a great imagination. And I bet there are some of us that still have this kind of fear with God. Like God is up there, and we're down here, and we're just lucky not to be lightning residue yet. But who wants to walk with a God that's going to punish us and set us on fire at any moment? No one. That's why I believe our vision of God is just so messed up. So often we think we have to be like John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, getting up at 3 a.m. and studying the Bible and praying for four hours in order to, to be the spiritual person that we really need. And if we're not, then we just must be spiritual failures. And that is just not true. I want you to think about this. So if, if we think of uh, our journey toward God as climbing on a mountain, then God is the top of the mountain. And God's on top of the mountain. The first thing that we have to do is address our misunderstanding of our relationship to God. When we look at this image, we are here at the base of the mountain. And God, well, God's all the way up here at the top of the mountain. And see, we somehow think it's our responsibility for us to somehow make it up to here. It's our job to climb mountains to find God. If you don't find that overwhelming, I do. But when we really stop to think about it, who makes the first move? Who takes the first step? It's God. God is continually responding to us. He's coming to us. Remember prevenient grace? This is God's love that is available at all times, in all places, no matter where we find ourselves. It is God that makes the first move. He takes the first step. Now, this is significant because if this is true, then it changes everything about how we are in a relationship with God. God is participating in our relationship with God. He's encouraging us. Remember the video? So often we give God religious space in our lives, right? Everything from our quiet time to our devotion life to the one hour here on Sunday morning. But that's not how God operates. God is moving in our lives 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Take a look at this image. If this box... Hey, it start over again. I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting, I'm new at this. All right, we'll try again. If this box, now we have a box, is our life. Eh, it's kind of a box. Not all of us have perfect lives, let's just be honest, right? If this box is our life, then giving God, you know, this one hour, on Sunday morning, that just doesn't work. See, we, we have scripture that says, Jesus says, if anyone were to come after me, he must deny himself, take up the cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me 
will save it. Too often, we try to make God fit into our little world instead of us fitting into his. Now, what do I mean? In this book that we're studying, The Momentum for Life, Mike Slaughter, he borrows the description of worldviews from Tim Keller, the pastor of Redeemer uh, Presbyterian Church in New York City. Keller gives us four worldviews, ways that we see God and that world and how they shape our understanding of God. The first of these is secular. This person with a secular worldview, they're very skeptical of the supernatural, of the, of the church, and maybe even a little cynical when it comes time to church. For the secular person, all, all, all this religious talk, all this supernatural, it's a barrier to progress. Somehow our belief in God is stopping society from going forward. Now, very few persons with this worldview actually would attend church. So it's rare to find this worldview among people who are Christians. But next up is the term soft secular worldview. Although we don't find lots of people with this secular worldview in the church, our churches are teeming with people who have the soft secular worldview. People who are soft secular claim to, to have a faith in God or even in Jesus Christ, but Jesus is not their first priority or passion. They like to put circles in their life boxes. They like to box in the, the little secular, the, the sacred part, so that way they can keep the secular part out. If we go back to our drawing, we have our circles, and maybe this one's worship, and this one's reading the Bible, and this one's prayer time, and this one's service. So we want to keep them all separate, because when we're out here, we get to live one way. When we're in here, we want to live a different way. Now, this worldview, it's prevalent among those people over 40. Now, before you say anything, I'm about to make fun of or point out all the people that are under 40's mistakes as well. But those who are over 40, we, we often want to isolate and, and have our secular society and have our sacred society, and we want to keep them separate. Now, to assure you, like I said, I'm not picking on those over 40. The third worldview is widespread among people under 40. They're what we call post-secular. These persons are, are pretty self-focused. And I see a few of you agreeing with me on that statement. They're focused on the present. So even if the, the post-secular person commits to Christ, he or she easily can bail out on our commitment for an opportunity for maybe a relationship or a sexual encounter or even a professional advancement. So it's not so much that they're placing circles around Jesus, it's much more like they're just erasing it out of convenience. So maybe, you know, worship's just too early. So we're just going to, you know, I'm just not going to do it. And, you know, I, I, I own a Bible, and it's on my shelf, but it's really confusing. So I just, I'm not going to read it either. In post-secular, this is what happens. We just eliminate circles altogether. But then we have the fourth worldview, and this is the Jesus way, the, the Jesus worldview, the way Christ intends us to see the world. In the Jesus worldview, we are able to see that God is bigger than me, bigger than my life, bigger than my box, bigger than any circle I can put around him. Do you realize God created you the way you are for a reason? 
Now, I'm not making that statement for some generalized ability so you get to go and commit whatever sin you want and say, well, God made me this way. I'm saying that because no two people relate to God in the same way. Now, what do I mean? Let's get back to our drawing. When we look at our our mountain view, God's up here and we're down here. If God is continually attempting to get my attention and God's relating to me in ways that I should evoke a response, then don't you think my response should be real, should be authentic and genuine? So how do we respond to God in a way that helps us to move up the mountain closer and closer to our creator? First, it's time to be honest. What do you love? What gives you passion? What gives you energy? Now, when I'm real honest with myself, I realize the activity that I love to do is work out. Now, I know some of you may be looking at me and find this to be a surprise, but I really do like to lift and I like to go on jogs. I jog, Pastor Rachel runs. There's a difference. <laughs> now, whether it's me going to go lift with Michael last summer, our last summer's, last year's summer intern, or me going out for a jog, when I'm doing this, I have nothing to do but just listen and think. And I find God. I find God in those spaces. So what about you? What feels natural? Do you like to go feed the birds, or do you like to go to the mall, or or maybe you like to take that first cup of coffee out on the front porch and just watch the world? Where and what make you open to having a real conversation with God? Honestly, it may seem a little odd as you drive your car and start to talk out loud to that person nobody can see, but if that's where you feel comfortable, then that's the space and place you should go and find the most connected way you can with God and have that real talk with God. Remember, God is continually, constantly attempting to meet us right where we are. So how do you take moments to meet God where you are? Now, once we've been honest and and we've found ways that we're passionate and that gains us energy, then it's time to get focused. Even Jesus needed to focus his attention on his relationship with God. Now, this is always a conundrum. Jesus Christ is the incarnation, God in flesh, and yet he goes and spends time with God the Father on a regular basis. It's a holy mystery. He is healed, I'm sorry, it's a holy mystery. But in Mark chapter 1, Jesus has just begun his mystery, and he already is being overwhelmed by the crowds. It's just chapter 1, and he's already overwhelmed. He has healed Simon's mother-in-law. He has cast out a few demons. Now, those who, who, checks, who check the scripture, the healing, the mother-in-law, and the casting out demons, those are two separate events, in case you need to remember that. And finally, he decides he needs to go spend some time with God. This is Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, once we are honest with ourselves about who we are, we can't just say, well, I've got Jesus. I don't need to even talk to him anymore. 
We need to be focused. We need to have moments throughout our day when we do take time to talk with God. So maybe at your lunch break, you climb a few stairs and you say a few words with God. Or, or maybe it's just this time when you drop the kids off at school and you're driving home or driving on to work and you can just stop and talk with God. Last week, Pastor Rachel asked the question on Facebook and we had several responses uh, about where do you find God? Rod wrote, Rachel, I, I find reciting the Lord's Prayer and singing, I love you, Lord, helps me to focus and prepare for prayer time. Jen wrote, no electricity Mondays. I feel so connected with God on Mondays as we choose not to watch TV, use computers, iPods, cell phones. We rely on communicating with one another, communicating with God and his reading and his word. Carolyn wrote, praying continually, giving thanks and counting blessings before asking for guidance, asking God to use me and help me make wise choices. Karina wrote, I dance and I worship with music. During that time, I submit my entire being to him. And it is during that time that it is all of him and none of me, just as it was designed to be in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. Michael wrote, go for walks in the woods, cycling, journaling, daily Bible study and prayer. Iris wrote, rocking each and every night with Ellie. It sounds stupid because it's not only just mommy and daughter time, but I know if it wasn't for God, she wouldn't be here. Jennifer wrote, it sounds maybe a little less evolved than everyone else, but it would be my time petting the dog. Not sure if it's because I finally makes me slow down, be still, and think, or if it is the flesh and blood version of unconditional love. Dana wrote, I like to walk in the woods and sing how great thou art. I also like to sit and play piano music. And Amy wrote, I pray often in those quiet, otherwise useless elevator rides while at work or wherever. I pray other times, of course, but these times in particular have been instrumental and purposeful living. Our time with God, it must be focused and it has to be intentional. Talking to God doesn't usually come natural. We have to take time and make the effort. And finally, that causes us to change. When we spend time with God, we don't stay that grumpy, lazy, lustful, workaholic, stressed out gossip that we once were. It's amazing. The more time we spend with God, the more God rubs off on us. And we're able to stop hiding, to stop hiding from God and to stop hiding from each other. See, God's Holy Spirit brings about real change in our lives. And so if we're still grumpy, still lazy, still lustful, still stressed out, still full of gossip. God hasn't moved. We've just stopped spending time with him. We've stopped spending time with God and with others. When we have an encounter with the holy God, we should expect change. Amen? God has given us one passion-filled life to live. So church... Love God out of the real, authentic passion that God has given you. Don't try to be that something you're not, because God made you just the way you are. No more circles. We can't contain God in the little compartments of our lives. God wants all of our life, and not some kind of religious fake you, but the real, genuine you. God wants to talk with us, and he wants to walk with us 
every single day. Will you pray with me? Almighty Lord, thank you for coming off the top of that mountain. Thank you for finding us in the valley. Lord, thank you for all that you bless us. You are an amazing God that always will find us. Lord, let us be honest and focused and willing to change because of the amazing love you offer us. And all God's people said, amen.